Bill just mentioned that this is a very delicate subject, and it certainly is. When you're talking about suffering, you know, right now you can have brothers and sisters in Christ, or those of you who are visiting with us, you could be going through something very acute right now as far as suffering is concerned. And I would venture to say that every one of us, if we live long enough, will go through those times. And it is very sensitive to us. These are things that I believe are a necessity of life because of, well, because of the fact that we live in this world where sin has entered. And just as the article, if you were to have read the article in the bulletin, it deals with the fact that sin has come into this world. And so we have suffering that is a part of our lives, and it won't leave until the coming day of our Lord. When we're talking about suffering, there's so many different things that we could actually mention. You could spend just countless lessons dealing with certain avenues that pertain to this area of our study. What I'm wanting for us to do is to, to note some areas along the lines of the purpose that we can see that God has for us through or in suffering. But when we, when we look at our life, though, what we want is something that's just the complete opposite. And so what we often do is we imagine life at the other extreme, the other end of the spectrum, if you will, of that suffering. That's the joy that we have. And so we imagine where there is no pain, there's no heartache that we have to deal with. That would be nice, right? You just might have to have any kind of heartache. Life would be so much better. Some would say, well, you know, it would just be a lot easier if we just had it easy on us. Of course, you know, we want that. That's utopia, as we would use that phrase. We wish there would be nothing to worry about. You know, I didn't have to think about the bills coming in the next month and wondering, you know, how will this be taken care of under these particular circumstances? Or whatever the situation is with family members. We might have those who have left the faith. And we're concerned, we worry about those kinds of things. Or whatever the situation is, we just like to imagine when all these things would be done away with. And of course, if it were, it would be a bit like heaven. Where there is no tear, there's no sorrow, there's no pain or toil in heaven. And so this would give us that sense, if you will, and, and that's what we want. And we live in a society that because we don't want pain and suffering, we take painstaking measures, if I can use that word in light of our study, to get far removed from pain and suffering. We do that every single day. And so we want to have a life that is comfortable and everything that is just as separated as we can from pain and suffering. We crave these things. We crave them as activities. How many of us want to do something that will bring us down, if you will, if you think about it long enough? Or, raise your hand if you want to do something that is just fun. Something that is enjoyable, comfortable to be engaged in. Something that takes your mind and removes it from pain and suffering. Well, let me tell you right now, we are champions at it in our society. We really are. Every hour of our day, if we choose to, can be nothing but fun. We can choose not to work. Of course, the ramifications are going to come. We can choose to do all kinds of activities that are along these lines, and we do it every day. And this lifestyle, though, I believe, 
over time brings about a fond attachment to this world full of pain and suffering. When we're so engaged in these kinds of activities and when our lifestyle is such where we get far removed from pain and suffering, we don't know what it's like. And then when the pain and suffering do come and they come to us all, no matter how enjoyable the life may be for us, it's hard to cope with. It's hard to deal with. And then we start having questions that creep into our mind like, where is God? And if He's a loving God, why is this happening to me? To my family? And so these are very important thoughts that I'm wanting for us to consider because when we're looking at our lifestyle, we sometimes forget to see the benefit of pain and suffering. We forget to, to actually notice that there is a purpose that seems purposeless. It seems fruitless for so many. Yet there is. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, we're, we're told about a good name and how valuable it is. And then he goes on, the, the wise man does, to say, it is better for us to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. In fact, when you go through the scriptures, it talks about the fact that a wise man would do well. He goes to that house of mourning and he learns from it, he gleans from it, he becomes a better person for it. But the foolish one, his mind is always at the house of feasting, where things are happy. But it's that foolish person that loses sight of the very essence and the qualities, the benefits that we can have for going to this house. And so what we're looking at this morning is to look at the fact that, you know, it's a natural desire that we have. We all live in the flesh. And it's a natural desire that because we live in the flesh, we don't like pain and suffering. We, we take all kinds of measures to avoid it or to relieve ourselves from it. And it's, in a sense, a, a foreshadowing, if you will, of the genuine relief that we can get if we are found in Christ to be rid of this pain and suffering that belongs to this world. And when we do that, I believe it will help us to notice God's purpose. In other words, when we start looking outside of my life, my circumstances, my woes, and I start looking elsewhere, I can begin to see that picture. I can see that purpose that God has for us. And so those are the things that I'm wanting us to do. And what we're going to look at for the next few moments then is this natural desire that we have to avoid pain and suffering. And the reason why I want to focus on this in the first part of this lesson is because I believe that this is one of those things that actually hinders us from seeing God more readily in our lives. I really do. And if we can understand this, then maybe we can take stock, if you will, of what we do in our daily activities along these lines of pain and suffering to see how we can long for that hope that Michael read for us in Romans chapter 8. Stop and think about this with our lifestyle in this country. And it's not just limited to the U.S., but there are, are industrialized nations that have come so far in, in regarding what we call first, first world status, if you will. Our meals, our refreshments, it's no longer a matter of, do I have food to live on today? And I give you thanks for it. And then to truly appreciate the flavors of those simple foods that you can eat. We're so way beyond that. We like to eat and eat a lot. And we like to eat nice foods and good foods. And, and we call these things comfort foods. And I don't know where Dane got this in his head, though, but he loves watching that bizarre food channel. 
Well, guess what we do now as a family? <laughs> we watch these things and see all kinds of things that people eat. But we have things called comfort foods. There was no such thing as comfort foods in most parts of the world. It's food so, so that you can live for the day. But we are comforted. I can miss a meal, and I might feel some things, and I say, oh, I'm starved to death. And really I'm not. We do things because it makes us feel good. It doesn't have within us those hunger pains. And if anyone in our family would have hunger pains, okay, we've got to take care of that. That's just our lifestyle that we have. And so it's that that makes us feel good. Our homes, our cars. Where it once used to be, and I was telling Julie about when going into the homes in South, uh, South America, you don't have any paint. If you had paint, it's all peeling because it was years and years and decades ago when it was painted. But almost all the homes don't have paint, whether it's wood or brick, uh, not brick, but cement. It would just be that cement. <laughs> It'd just be the wood. And you just have basic four walls, if you will, and not much in the way of space and what have you. We have well beyond that in our homes, in the cars. Instead of coming here this morning, and maybe some of us did, most of us, if not all of us, came in a warm, heated car. And, and a number of the new cars now, man, you just turn a button and your seat warms up for you. And then if you have um, ice on your windows and like, press a button and it goes away. We have a lot of convenience comfortable and luxurious. And I think even when we look at activities of our lives, like youth sports, we have the outcries of so many parents that, you know, my son or my daughter, you know, they don't get a trophy. We live now where there's no wins or losses, there's no scorekeeping on a lot of uh, youth play, and there's a time and place for it all. Because we want them to enjoy the sport and enjoy friendly competition and what have you. But it's become a mindset within our society. Can you imagine that on a professional level or collegiate level? There'd be no such thing as champion because we're all champions. Tell that to the Auburn fans now. <laughs> but that's what we do. So in the name of keeping anyone from suffering, we head up to anyone that's got a uniform on. You get a trophy. It's so that we don't have any pain. We don't want that to be a part of our life. It's, it's too traumatic for, for many of us. Our medicines. Every, as soon as I feel like I think I'm going to get a headache coming on in the next five hours, I got something for it. We do that in every aspect of our lives. We're so quick to remove pain from our life. Even in our parenting relationship with our children used to be something we call tough love. Today, tough love, there's another term for it. It's called defect. You get a phone call if you have what's called tough love. And we as parents, we, you know, we don't want to see our children go through such great pain, and so we won't discipline them in the name of that tough love. And many times, as a result of avoiding these things, we just want everything to be good. You know, 
That's a natural thing. None of these things are wrong in themselves. Those things that I've mentioned, there's nothing that you say, well, what's wrong with all of those things? I mean, it's great that we can all have trophies for children, that we can all have medicine when we're in pain. Don't you use medicine, Mitch? Of course. There's nothing wrong with these things in themselves. But what happens is we have a mindset within our society, or societies, I should say, of how we view pain and suffering. Brethren, it's this very mindset that I believe we've conjured up new areas of debate, like euthanasia and other areas of taboo subject matters. Because when it comes to pain and suffering, we don't want any of it. Now imagine with this mindset, if we were to apply this to our Lord and Savior before He went to the cross, we wouldn't let Him go, would we? It's cruel and unusual. There's no place for it in our society. I mean, it's that mindset that we just have a difficult time comprehending. And it's this very thing regarding pain and suffering that our attitude has made us, without even realizing it, a self-sufficient, comfortable society. Think about this. When I'm in pain and agony, and I can go to the store and grab something real quick, and it eases that pain, I'm more likely to go, thank you, Tylenol, than go through that trial and come out saying, thank you, Lord. I'm not saying that you don't say thanks to the Lord for Tylenol or anything along those lines. But what I'm saying is it becomes easier and easier to do when we avoid pain and suffering, when we do things to have joy and comfort on such a chronic level that we begin to have God further and further away from us. We don't need Him as readily, need Him as often, if you will, or need Him to a great degree. And so, because of these things, it makes it difficult for us to see Him. And a lack of these kinds of trials make it very difficult, I believe, on a side note, to deal with, to cope with these things. You take someone who has gone through a difficult life and then you bring up a trial that for some it's just, oh, this is life-threatening. And for them it's, it's not that big a deal because I've been through these trials. We can go to passages like James chapter 1, verse 2. Kind of all joy when you fall into various and diverse trials. It produces good fruit in your life. We know those things from a mental standpoint, from a Bible study standpoint, but when it comes to day-to-day application, sometimes we forget that very principle. And so we have a harder time dealing with pain and suffering. So we try to avoid it. We become attached to the comforts of our lives. And when trials result, they're difficult. Well, here's where the purpose comes in. I hope that when we can see that when we start reflecting within ourselves and how we view things, our quote-unquote worldview, if you will, how we see things through scriptures and through uh, life experiences because of this society that we've been trained up in, then maybe by taking stock, we can actually see God's purpose more readily, more easily, and thus see the value in pain and suffering when it comes to our lives. I believe what, what pain and suffering does, first of all, it does cause us to look inward. Remember when 
My, my grandmothers passed away last year. Both my, grand, my grandmothers. It's a painful time. I mean, with one of my grandmothers, I lived on the same island. Lived with her for months at times during the years with my grandfather. My other grandmother, I didn't get to see, but once every so many years. But I tell you, when, when you lose someone close to you, like Grandma T, that's painful. But what it does, at least it did for me when I knew she was going to leave this world, it gave me a lot to think about with my life. Caused me to reflect inwardly, how am I living before my God? What is my relationship like with Him? That's where the house of mourning was beneficial. And by internalizing a lot of these things, I could see that, you know what, with all this pain, I look forward to something much better. I look beyond myself. But it's that very thing that helps us to look inward and realize our own end. We're told in James chapter 4 and verse 14, you know, our life is but a vapor. That's what we're told. Imagine that whether you live to be a year old or a hundred and one, in the grand scheme of eternity, it's a blip. In fact, a fraction of a blip on the scale of eternity. It's just not that long. Life goes by so quickly, so swiftly. And I believe the older we get, the more we get brought down, if you will, from a standpoint of the pain and suffering that goes on in this world because of whatever the reasons are. Something seemingly mindless reasons why we have to suffer. But it does help us to look inward. And the reason why it does that for us, which I believe is good, is because once we begin looking inward, we realize even if we have it all together, I don't care if you're Bill Gates and you have everything you could ever desire, you have pain and suffering just like the next person. And when that happens, you realize there's nothing I can do about the end result. It comes to us all. Pain, disappointment, sorrow, it comes to every single person that has ever walked the face of this world at some point. You just have to live long enough to experience it. And that's why I believe this is a good thing, that it helps us to look inward. But you see, once we do that and realize, I am weak, I cannot control, I cannot just have a perfect utopian environment here on earth, can't do it. No matter how hard I would try, no matter how many activities I fill my life with, it still happens. I still have that pain and suffering. And what that does in my mind is it helps us to look upward to our God. And there are many people that would question, you know, is there a God? Well, I can tell you right now, I've read enough writings of atheists who somehow at some point in the darkest moments of their life when they will cry out to God because they look beyond themselves. Interestingly enough, you have Christians who question if God exists when pain and suffering comes and atheists who don't believe in God now crying out to Him when it matters most in their life. It's an amazing irony. But it happens. When we're faced with pain and suffering, then it helps us to look to our God, who's the God of our comfort. In fact, while we were um, going to Romans chapter 8, 18 to 25, there's a passage in which in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, particularly when you read verses 3 following, 
where Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, you wonder why he started off that way. Why start that letter off in that regard? It's unique of all the New Testament letters. Notice how he starts off this letter. And of course, we're talking about the consolation we have by being in Christ because of the sufferings that they were participating in, in Christ. And while our subject matter is broader this morning, it includes this. So notice what's being said here. In chapter 1, beginning verse 3, Paul says to the brethren at, at Corinth, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. No one, absolutely no one can give you that kind of a promise. There's no religion under heaven, in the heavens for that matter, that can give us anything beyond this world. The atheist has nothing after this life. What a sad life. You have those of the Hindu faith who, depending on how good you are here on this world, and you can never be good enough, but no matter how good you are, you're just going to be reincarnated to something else, fleshly. And you still have pain and suffering. No matter what that religion, the only one is our God, through whom He gave His Son to suffer on the cross, to have pain and agony we cannot even imagine. We can taste a bit of it. We can't imagine all that he went through because it was more than what we see to the eye. More than just flesh being on that cross. We're talking about separation from God. And there is nothing greater in pain and suffering than what Jesus went through. Nothing. He did it for us. And that is why when we go through pain and suffering, it is a good thing at times that we can look up to our God and realize there's something better beyond this life. I remember three years ago when I was um, in Machala, Ecuador, and I, was, I went to one of the universities to preach the gospel. Get, get that, you can preach at the university. Can't do it around here, right? <laughs> Go to university and preach the gospel to these college students who are having English as one of their languages. And at the end, I interviewed one of those young men. And I said, why is it that we can come here and preach to you and you listen very carefully to these words? In the U.S., not as many people would listen to the message. He said, I believe it's because we have such a hard life in this country. We have nothing else in this world. All we have is a hope for something better than this world. And when you come in with a message about something better, we listen. That really is about it. When you have such comfortable lives, it's hard to see God. 
But here are people that are willing to hang on every word because they long to see God. And, and their daily lives, you look at it, you're going, what are they living for? Something better. Because it's not in this world. Conversely, in our lives, we get so attached to the things of this world, we don't want to leave it. Because we have what we think is heaven on earth. Even with the trials, even with the pain, and even with the suffering. Because we long for those experiences that have brought us joy here. Even though there is something that far outweighs in glory the pain and suffering we could ever experience here on earth. So here's our God. He provides us this comfort through our trials. Here and now, while we are here in this world, not saying it's easy for us, but that we can get through these things while we hope eagerly, while we wait with great anticipation for that which is eternally great. But here's the thing that I think is helpful for us. I believe that once we can look up to our God and see Him and see what He's done for us then, it helps us to really look outwardly. And I'm telling you, this cures all kinds of ills among men. It really does. You stop and think about when you are selfless, do you ever get a joy of helping someone else in their trials? You know, something about pain and suffering. You can empathize when someone else goes through what you've already been through. And when you're there to extend your arm out to them, it means the world to them. But what does it do for you as well? Does it give you a sense of joy and satisfaction? I believe that when we can look beyond ourselves and then look up to God, we can start looking at others. And remember, as we look at the whole gospel message, what is the whole totality of the gospel message? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To love your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So when you can understand that principle and apply it to areas, including the subject matter of pain and suffering, you can see purpose in it. One of the greatest medicines of pain and suffering is helping someone else that's gone through something that you've gone through. There's that sense of fellowship, sense of oneness, that you've been there and you can comfort them. And that's why Paul says, you know, the comfort that God gave to us, we can comfort you with. That's what we have. In 2 Thessalonians, Hear what Paul said to the saints there. In chapter 2 and verse 16, <laughs> he says to them in, in verse 16, Now may, the, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Do you notice that while... The praise was given to God. Paul is one writing them, right? There's no doubt in my mind that when these brethren at Thessalonica were reading this, they were encouraged by the apostle himself in addition to God. For the words that he gave to them to build them up and encourage them through the trials that they're going to be faced with if they've not already been faced with them. That's what we can do for each other. We have brothers and sisters in Christ here with family members that struggle with life. Right now. Whether it's Anthony's wife, Heather's mom,
We have brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle just to live. Brethren, it's not enough for us to just come to church. It's not enough for us to just sing praises to God. They are all wonderful things. Our lives about sharing each other's hands in each other's lives. It's so easy to live a comfortable, selfish, my only life. Me. It's all about me. But when I start extending my hand to you and to those who are outside the body of Christ for that matter, that they may see God through your life, through your shining example. Now stop and think. Can you see the purpose of this pain and suffering? Because I can see God at hand. I can see Him working through the lives of those who have been comforted by Him. Those who look beyond their lives and, and follow in the footsteps of Jesus who are willing to go to their own death, suffering for the cause of Christ. And those who have gone through just life itself and go through the pain and suffering who can help one another. I can see God's hand at work. And I can see something far greater than when this life is over. I'm so glad. I was telling Miss May in the very back, just between services this morning, when we were talking about, I said, how was your week? And she's oh. And I look, and sometimes, you know, always oh, good. You can kind of get, you going, well, you know, but there are some things that just, you go through trials. And I said, you know, isn't it great when, when all is well with us? We feel so good, we feel so strong, we feel, feel so much life in us. That's an opportunity to give thanks to God, right? It always is. But on the flip side, stop and think of this, that when you are at your weakest, when you are at your most difficult moment in your life, when you struggle with pain and sorrow, I hope you can see God even clearer. I believe you can. I believe when you are faced with these things that you long out for God and you cry out to His name, that He's that much closer to you and that you also have the ability to see that we're not far away because this life is a vapor from going to be with our Father who will be the source of all comfort for eternity. Brethren, it's much more than I obeyed the gospel because I don't want to go to the bad place. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go with, be with God because there's an eternal comfort in Him, eternal fellowship that I cannot even place words that come close to the joys I feel like that I've experienced in this world. That's what I want you to have. And that's the purpose, I believe, that when you see pain and suffering, you can see God's love at work. You can see it through the lives of men today. That's his providential care. That's how he works in our lives. And so looking outward moves us to an intimate relationship with our God who we imitate every day to be like him. And to go through pain and sufferings like he did. And that's why he says he's the comfort, the God of all comfort. And so are you living only for yourself? Because when you do, it, it seems like it's all good now, especially if you have everything you could ever ask for. And, of course, none of us do, right? We never have everything, because even those that seemingly have everything have nothing. You can take the wealthiest in the world, and they'll go through pain and, and suffering as every one of us. But living only for self makes it difficult to see God, and to even see His purpose that He has through all these trials. And I would suggest if you haven't read the article, read that. It does give you a sense of what goes on and how God can work through pain and suffering in this regard. 
But I believe that when we do see it, when we do see beyond our own lives that pain and suffering, then the words of Jesus mean something more to us. It's more than just the Beatitudes. We can actually see blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit, as he says in verse 3. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Those that go through these trials, blessed. Eternally blessed. 